All right. Hello and welcome to RealCom's first webinar in the series titled Tracking the Rapid Advancement of AI Maturity in the Commercial Real Estate Sector. I'm Chuck Nicewanger, your RealCom host for today's webinar, Facts, Fiction, and Real Strategic Possibilities. We're excited to bring you this new series because there's been so much hype about what AI can do and what it can't do, probably for the last 10 years for sure, possibly 20. But with that, in the introduction of chat GPT and generative AI, I'm just saying the landscape has completely changed and you're gonna hear a lot more about that today. That's what we're gonna be talking about. But before we get started, let me go over a few housekeeping items to help you have a great webinar experience. First of all, thank you to our live attendees. We do encourage you to use the Q&A box on the bottom of your screen to submit questions or comments. It's always better when you're an active participant. We'd love to use your questions and we'll try to work them in as best as we can. In the handout section, you'll find more detailed bios of our panelists, a copy of today's slides. I think we've got last uh, week's slides, or actually, no, I think it's probably the next week that's gonna be coming that uh, you're registered for. For the best webinar experience, we do recommend closing out any other internet applications, especially streaming videos. You wouldn't want us to unleash our chatbots to detect your streaming video and shut that down for you. So better to pay attention and listen to our expert panel, just saying. If you are experiencing any technical issues with connectivity, sound, or video quality, the best thing to do is to disconnect and click on the webinar link again. You can also email Ian at ithompson, that's I-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, at realcom.com for help during the event. But don't worry, you won't miss anything since you'll receive a link to the webinar recording later today. And I've included my email on this slide. So if you think of questions that you would have asked the panel, but you're watching this as a recording, just send them to me and I'll forward them along to the group and they'll get back with you. This educational webinar is supported by our outstanding sponsors. Predict AP is an AI-powered invoice capture solution built for real estate accounts payable. It leveraged historical invoice data and proprietary AI to rapidly code invoices without needless data entry. They refer to it as intelligent invoice capture. You'll hear more about that during today's webinar. Profia puts reuse on the table for every business. By combining digital marketplaces and inventory management with sustainability solutions, your organization can keep valuable products and materials in use, reduce costs and landfill waste, and help you reach your ESG goals. And finally, Yardi serves multiple markets with a broad range of services, far too many to list here. Uh, it's the reason why you'll see that Yardi received the Energy Star Partner of the Year Sustained Excellence Award for the past five years, 2022 Prop Tech Company of the Year, included in Forbes Cloud 100 for the past seven years, and so many more. And you know, whenever I see Anand Yardi, just on a personal note, he's always cheerful. I'm a real fan, and he always refers to me by my first name, so I really enjoy talking with him. We are grateful for the contributions by these technology partners to our industry, to Realcom, and to helping us educate our viewers in sessions just like these. If you've tuned in to learn more about the latest in AI-based technology, you'll certainly want to include these vendors in your evaluation process. Before we get started, let me bring on Jim Young, Realcom CEO, for a special message about AI in our industry. Welcome, Jim. Welcome, Chuck. Um, thank you for allowing me to take a couple minutes here in the beginning to get you guys kicked off. 
Um, the reason I wanted to do it is this is a, as everybody knows, a massive topic. It has huge implications. It's incredibly confusing. It's moving faster than we've ever seen anything before. And uh, I want to just add a little context to the conversation before you guys start digging in the detail. So what you're seeing on the screen is, a, is an AI timeline that we put together to give you an idea of when this conversation started. I'm sure there are many milestones we've missed, but this is just to give you some sense of where we are and where we came from. So 1950, uh, the, what we can find is Alan Turing was really one of the first people to start talking about computer machinery and intelligence. Then you go to 55, five years later, John McCarthy at Dartmouth, you know, I think was the first workshop on artificial intelligence. 10 years later, uh, Edward Feigenbaum uh, and Joshua Letterberg created the first expert system, okay, which was a, a form of AI program to replicate thinking. Now, so that's 1965. Lots was going on from 65 to 2016, but 2016 is where Realcom really started getting into the conversation. In our general session, we had a guy by the name of Cade Metz, Anik Yardi, and Nino DeCosmo representing Yardi and, and um, Tritium. And Cade was in the room when the uh, Google DeepMind AI platform beat the Korean Go champion. And back in 2016, it's really the first time the public got to feel some of the hype around AI. It was a big deal. Go is a complicated game, and this machine did very, very well. Um, then we were kind of quiet with it, even in the Realcom community. We were keeping our eye on it, but nobody was rushing us to saying, you know, we're diving into AI for the commercial and corporate real estate industry. So let's fast forward a little bit to 2022. That would be six years later. ChatGPT hits, hits the scene and boom, the whole world's talking about it. We caught some of that energy, some of that wave. And as a result, Realcom 23 had a lot of conversations, general sessions, small sessions on AI. And then finally, that leads us uh, after the conference to the AI advisory group, uh, which a bunch of people just wanted to get together and start talking about this. Group ranges from 50 to 80 people. And then finally, the buildings AI, which I'm going to talk about um, a little bit uh, on the next slide. So buildings AI, why did we do it? Because the energy from the conference and the energy from the AI advisory group and everything going on, we said we can't wait till next June. We had a, an event going on called Cortec, which is a corporate real estate uh, technology and innovation event that we do every fall in Silicon Valley. And we said, let's just take day two of that program, convert it into an, an AI conversation for both commercial and corporate, and boom, uh, an incredible program. So if you just look at the folks on the left, we've got some incredible names, um, McKenzie, Gartner, uh, JLL, the, all of the main vendors in our industry, uh, Yardi, MRI, CoStar, um, will be there talking about what they're doing. And it's just our first attempt to really go deep into, uh, or, or to give everybody eight hours to sit in a room and hack this stuff with the idea that we can give them a little better framework as they go into their strategies for 2024. This is inning one, game one, inning one, all right? This is just the beginning. And I'm excited to say that we've got, you know, some of the smartest people in the industry gonna be in that room and try to figure this stuff out. Anybody listening to the webinar today, uh, if you are interested, send us, uh, we will uh, send us an email. We'll get you a discount code since you know you're on this webinar and following this topic. Um, anybody leaning in should be in the room. Chuck, thank you. All right, Jim, thanks for starting us off. Uh, just real quick, I've got one correction that I want to make. Uh, I I read Profria wrong. 
I want to tell you that Profia is a generative AI-powered data management intelligent platform custom built for empowering owners and operators of office, retail, industrial, and commercial assets. That's the description that should have been in there with me. My apologies, but you're gonna hear more about them as, as they uh, uh, give their talk and we'll see a little bit more about what they do as a company and you'll get a better understanding about them. So that's what that's what Profia does. We wanted to correct that immediately as my mistake. I appreciate that. All right, um, let me bring on our moderator, Wayne Campbell. And Wayne is a independent consultant, management consultant, AI expert, and all around good guy. Wayne, welcome. Thank you, Chuck. Pleasure to all be right. here. You're definitely not muted. Hey, we have a uh, we have a pretty good size live audience. I, I wouldn't mind running a quick poll. It'd take about it'd take about 30 seconds. So if you don't mind for the live audience, give us a sense of your position in the company, where you're at, um, which one you can identify with the most. It shouldn't take you more than about 15 seconds to figure figure this out. It's an easy question. And then Wayne, you may be able to use that uh, to construct a little bit of your guidance here. So, okay, that's good. So let's see the uh, let's see the result. There you go. Uh, not surprising, a large majority from the executive level, as well as IT technology. So the bulk of our audience is certainly in that in that space. So there you go, Wayne. I'm going to get out of your way, and uh, it's all yours. Thank you, Chuck. It's uh, a pleasure to be here and um, looking forward to some very interesting conversations we're going to have today. Um, and uh, hello to all of our listeners. Um, so before I introduce our, our panel and we get into the nitty gritty of the conversation, let me share some of my experience with artificial intelligence and my experience with it. Um, I think it's fair to say that over the last few decades, we have spent all of our time adapting to computers and how they interact with us. And now we're at the cusp of that's about to change. My own experience or own personal experience of artificial intelligence started in 1991 when I was studying computation at UMIST. And at that point, anything to do with artificial intelligence was in hands, wasn't in the hands of everyday consumers. To put it in our hands as we use it today was such a far away concept. It was the preserve of science fiction movies and those that wore lab coats. And I was one of those at the time, coding in Prologue and Lisp. But if you fast forward to today, there's so much hype and many inches on the narrative of the topic of artificial intelligence. And the emerging common vernacular for AI is perhaps Gen AI or ChatGPT. But of course, there's so much more to AI than Gen AI. And there are so many use cases that have been used for a number of years using artificial intelligence. What's different about today versus the past is generative AI capabilities are more accessible and understandable than previous types of AI technologies. When I think about artificial intelligence, I think about it in four waves. The first wave of AI was about classification. Deep learning showed that we can train a computer to classify various types of input data, images, video, 
audio language. Now we're in the generative wave, and that's exciting. That's where for the first time, machines are going to start to adapt to us, begin to interact with us in natural ways. Generative AI is not just automation, it's also augmentation and acceleration. In fact, when I think about artificial intelligence, I think about it as augmented intuition. The third wave we're on a cusp of, and it's what I refer to as the iterative phase. You know, instead of clicking on the buttons and typing, you're going to talk to your AI. And we started to see this. You're hearing the term mixed modalities or multimodality. We're seeing this with the latest release of ChatGPT. We can fuse text, images, sound, and video. There's another wave I can see coming, and that is general intelligence or artificial general intelligence. And these AIs will be able to take action on our behalf, talking to us, interacting with all of the different modalities, as well as talking to other AIs. I think it's fair to say that AI has all of the hallmarks of a revolution. Time will tell, but it's not often that we get to witness a big change in technology or capability which touches every corner of society, from children to our elderly, through all different types of sectors. I'm going to stop there, and now it's time to welcome our first guest, Niraj Patel, who's the CIO of Greystone. Welcome, Niraj. Thank you for coming along today. Well, Wayne, thank you. And uh, Real Calm and all the sponsors, thank you for having me. Uh, it's an exciting time, as you said it, Wayne. This is an amazing, amazing time. And, and you, you highlighted the big change. I mean, I think some people are saying it's as revolutionary as fire, right? Or the wheel, but, but you and I know that's probably a little bit of a stretch, but we're so excited with all the things that are the art of the possible. Um, what I want to do is frame a little bit. We're going to start off with a video that is going to highlight one of the implementations that Greystone is rolling, rolling out. It's a complex implementation because it uses a little bit of RPA, uses a little bit of LLMs, uses a little bit of generative AI, all of it kind of combined. But I don't want people to think this is easy. To get to this use case took a lot of time working with the business hand in hand this is gonna require IT folks to work really tight. So from a background point of view, Greystone, multifamily lender, we provide loans to multifamily agency loans. And this is one of the processes that we have AI enabled. So if we can show that video, that would be great. Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the new Lease Audit Proof of Concept demo, where we at Greystone have taken the traditional OCR approach to lease audits and have laid a generative AI model on top of it to improve the accuracy and functionality of the process. Agencies require us to perform a lease audit as a part of the underwriting process. This involves comparing rent values in the rent roll supplied by the borrowers against the rent values in the actual leases signed with the residents. Today, underwriters collate all leases and the rent rolls together into a single folder and start the audit process. As a part of this demo, 
we will show you how we can automate this entire process using a combination of generative AI and traditional OCR. This is the folder where the documents are stored. Here, you can see lease agreements in the form of PDF files, the lease audit template, which I will open to show you how it is formatted. All columns highlighted in pink that you see here contain information pulled in from the rent roll, and the non-highlighted columns contain information pulled from the actual lease documents. If the values in these two rent columns differ for any unit, our program will flag those differences to be reviewed. And lastly, we also have the Closer Underwriting Template, which has the rent rolls under the Tenants tab. We believe that the best way to think of these new AI tools is as an AI intern that can go and do the jobs that you ask it to do. You would normally communicate with an intern using an email or Teams, so here we decided to build this entire software on a Teams interface. What I'm going to do here is first copy the URL for the SharePoint folder containing all of the lease agreements and rent rolls. And then I'll go back to Teams and give a command to the bot. This command can be in plain English, just like you would prompt ChatGPT. Here, you can see that the bot has started processing the command. You can see that it has started pulling in and processing PDFs. This process will take a few minutes, so while we wait for it to finish, let's go back and look at some of the PDFs that this program can process. The first PDF here is simple enough. It has fields typed in, but look at the second page. It has a total rent and a monthly rent. We want the monthly rent. But look at this one. This is a scan PDF. It looks very messy. It still has the start and the end date, but the information is all handwritten and not typed. This would typically be very difficult for an OCR application to properly decipher. And then look at this third one. This is not only a scan PDF, but the dates are difficult. The start date is mentioned in this odd format, and the end date is not mentioned at all. Understanding these files would be difficult when we use traditional OCR. But now that we have added a generative AI layer on top of OCR, it's almost like a human is looking at the OCR output and fixing what needs to be fixed before passing it on. If you take a look at this lease, the one here could easily be mistaken for a backslash, or an I, by the OCR. We've actually seen this happen once before, but the AI jumps in and says, hey, wait a minute, this can't be a backslash here because this is the start of a date field. This is the kind of behavior that you would expect from a human. Okay, now let's go back to the Teams tab. As you can see, the files have been processed. Let's go and look at the lease audit template. Here you can notice that we have captured all of the information and highlighted the two leases for which the rental values are different. Also notice how we captured all of the values from the first messy lease. We also captured the values from the lease where the dates were mentioned in an odd way. What we have essentially done here is to take the traditional OCR approach, which could have potentially returned errors, and we added an AI on top of it to give the program more human-like capability and accuracy. All right. That video has a lot of, lot of information. It's packed with a lot of different things. Uh, wanted to make sure that I pause for a second and we'll jump into the presentation. I've been fortunate enough to be in the industry for a long time, uh, commercial real estate industry as well as technology, and started dabbling in AI in 2012, very early on. So a lot of the things you see comes with a little bit of experience, but also taking the time to really work with business. 
And with that, <clears throat> the first slide is really important. I think all of us know that technology is starting to far surpass business type of processes and business capabilities and practices. And it takes time to work with your business units and with the way, way people are using the technology to make them think about it differently. In the old days, we may have worked with them to come up with requirements, program the, program the software. Today, it's all about training the software, less about programming the software. So it's really important to spend time with the business units to make sure that they understand the nuances and differences. Grayson went through a typical journey. Data is a pivotal point. We've taken a lot of time to get our data right. All the data is sitting in a data warehouse. As we took that infrastructure, moved it into information, and then the intelligence. We've done a lot of RPA. We've done a lot of AI work. But without that core foundation of the right data and the right training set, it is very difficult to be successful. This is where we are today within my environment. Uh, my Graystone is a new front end to make easy. So instead of having to interact with multiple systems on the back end, we're just creating a simplified front end in our industry. So from servicing to originations or originations to servicing, you have one simple interface. And we started this journey after the database was done, at, after the data warehouse was done, we started a lot of automation. So first we got the data right, then we wanted to accelerate the data through the company. And we rolled out a lot of RPA robots, many things that were really speeding up the information. But what's really exciting now is we're adding that intelligence with the generative AI layer, as well as the LLMs that are driving a lot of efficiency. Similar to what the example that you saw, we have about six different use cases that we're going after. I'm gonna pause on the use case for a little bit. It is really important for you to take time and educate your business unit on the nuances as well as how to deploy this new technology. As well as your current team has to be able to unwind some of the old thinking to come up with the new ways of using this technology. In that video, if we would have went the traditional machine learning route, we would have probably said, let me get all the leases, let me train the machine learning engine to the leases, and then I can actually have that predictive model work or accuracy better based on the training set. As you notice from the video, we've kind of redid the thinking and said, wait a minute, if I know I don't need to do training on the leases because, hey, at the end of the day, if I'm working with thousands of borrowers and smaller borrowers have handwritten leases like you saw, institutional players have fully typed out leases, how am I going to keep that variance going? The training is just going to be crazy. So we have to rethink the process of even the technology and the training. How do we look at the OCR? How do we train the LLM to look at the OCR, not look at the document? What are the things, the language that's really important? Start date, end date, all those features, dollar amounts, rents. Uh, so we have to train it on those sets. But it's really important to know this data set that we're talking about is a controlled data set. We have full control over it. We own it, we use it, and we can train with it. 
And that's really important because if I have to rely on third-party data sets, if I had to rely on untrusted data sources, my output may not be relevant or it may not have the accuracy that I'm looking for. So this is really, uh, really important, uh, Wayne. I know you and I touch on a lot of this many times, but that, yeah. that feature is really important because if you control the data set or if you have making sure that you're controlling the training data set, it's really important. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing with us, Naraj. There's just so many, you know, your video, your demonstration was super interesting and your background is so pervasive in this area. There's a thousand questions I would love to ask you. Um, so what I'm going to do is um, part those to one side and come back to the panel, bring you back later. And then we can get into some of your advice you would share um, with our audience with respect to this, this tricky nuanced ground of AI. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, very much appreciated the, uh, the demo there and looking forward to picking up with you again later. Thank you. Thank you. So I would like to introduce our next guest, um, Justin Siegel, who's the president of Boxer Property. Justin, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Justin, and uh, take us through some of the great work that you've been doing at uh, Boxer Property. Great. Okay. Um, I'm the president of Boxer Property. Boxer is a privately held real estate company. We own uh, and manage a portfolio of commercial properties, mostly focused on office buildings, uh, but also retail, uh, hospitality, restaurants, some golf, and so forth, but mostly uh, suburban office buildings across the U.S., and we've got a portfolio of about 14 million square feet at the moment. What I'm going to talk about today is something that I'm very excited about, uh, which is which is starting to bring complex financial data into um, our AI models. And uh, I'm going to start with a little story of kind of how we got to where we are. So we start with a bunch of, of buildings. And the first thing that, that we do is have an accounting system. In our case, it's Yardi. Uh, we've been on Yardi for 25 years. It's awesome. We run our whole business around it, and uh, it's been a key product for us. Uh, of course, over time, we added a bunch of other types of systems, the HR system, CRM, enterprise content management, and so forth. Um, and eventually, we decided to add a central data repository and connect our data to it, our operations data. Uh, and then we wanted to connect our Yardi data to it. And the red line here reflects the concept that this is hard. Um, so in this in this model, green is easy, um, orange is medium, and red is hard. Um, and this is hard for reasons that that I'll, I'll get into downstream a little bit. But then, of course, um, we sorry wrong way. We we added a bunch of building systems. Um, the buildings were smart. Uh, we connected them to our central data repository, uh, and then we started doing BI kind of right out of our central data. And and I would also call that kind of hard. Um, and then we started doing automation out of that as well, and really powerful, really important, but you know, not for the faint of heart in the beginning. Um, but then we launched Power BI. It's a product a lot of people are familiar with. It's very easy to get your data into Power BI from the central data repository, and therefore very easy to do uh, data visualizations and um, eventually AI came around, number 12, we're starting to do things on top of our native data set. Um, 
but then this interesting thing happened and this was you know very recently we joined the yardi data connect uh, pilot program and this is where yardi data is coming directly into power bi and it's really groundbreaking because it, it it replaced the need to kind of figure that stuff out ourselves and bring not just metadata or list data, but data that is typically calculated by the accounting system. Um, and for those of you who know how accounting systems work, it's a bunch of ledgers. Typically things are, are calculated on the fly. So getting those calculated or complex values into Power BI was really important. Um, it, it made the reporting much better and easier, uh, the visualizations and so forth. But also we could use it to power our workflow engines and our process automation and so forth. And by having that financial data in there, it's much richer. Um, then because it's Power BI, um, if you have the right kind of license for Power BI, you can use Azure's machine learning tools in Power BI and applying those against the uh, financial data was really important. It allowed us to then take the improved uh, results and insights out of the machine learning models um, and other kinds of models, by the way, and, and put them into visualizations or have them power our processes. So if we think about this kind of pipeline, um, this, is, this is how we're operating today and both our workflows and our data visualizations are benefiting from this combination of data that we had for many years, very good structured operational data, along with calculated uh, financial outcomes and pushing those into artificial intelligence models that are available off the rack like Azure Machine Learning has been extraordinarily powerful for us even in a very short amount of time. So uh, if we think about what, what happens there, you know, now we, we've got all of that good stuff in Power BI. Um, we've got the ability to have more robust uh, visualizations and process because we're using the financial results. We're not just using the operational stuff, but we're using the actual financial results. And then by putting them through this tool set, we're, we're really able to do some cool stuff. So when we use this machine learning set of tools, it's kind of um, as Fisher Price as this kind of stuff gets. You know, you you have this little path to get from getting ready with your data, which because of the YDC stuff, we're able to do much more effectively all the way through deployment. So here's here's an example. This is, you know, us looking at a bunch of deals. We have a bunch of data about the deals in our data set. Um, and what we what we want to do is take these deals look at them, compare them against other known outcomes, and figure out based on scores, which ones we're likely to make an offer on. And then that means these are the ones that we're likely, uh, that, that we should spend our time and energy looking at. So uh, looking at that here, I mean, I know this is kind of too small, so I, I use some colors to indicate the red is data that comes from the Yardi system, prepackaged and delivered in a pipeline through YDC. The blue is stuff that we've had in our operational or our deals database. And then, you know, here we are putting it into the ML uh, learning sandbox in Power BI. Um, here's kind of the, the specific uh, prediction model that we're working on. And you can see we go through this pipeline of kind of looking at the data, 
training the model, improving the results, and eventually getting to a model that we can really rely on. So this is what I'm excited about today because, because the YDC uh, system has allowed us to get these complex calculated outcomes out of our accounting system, and because um, Azure ML is so easy to use, we've been able to blend those two things together in really easy ways. So just a quick um, uh, list of some of the things we use. Yardi, obviously, is our core accounting system. Uh, Brava is what we use for central data. Uh, Power BI is dealing with all the wonderful things that Power BI does. Azure ML is this great list of things that you can easily deploy. And then Relay Human Cloud is, is where we're getting some of the talent to help us do these things from a technical standpoint. Uh, so that's what we're up to these days. And for us, it feels very cutting edge and very um, uh, generic in the sense that we can use it for lots of different things as opposed to one very specific problem. Thank you very much for that, Justin. It's uh, super impressive um, what you've done. And it's clear that you made a decision to buy versus build, which is one of the fundamental questions when you're tackling something like this. Was that an obvious decision you made from the outset um, when, you, when you went to, to do this? Well, in, in other, I mean, we're, we're also building. So there are, there are other things and interventions that we're using other tools for, but you know, it, we were messing around with Power BI and, and the Azure ML stuff that was in there. And then as soon as the Yardi stuff turned on, it became massively, it had a gravitational pull for us because the, it's a combination of this data that we really couldn't get anywhere else. And, you know, there's lots of data. You could have sensor data and CRM stuff and all, you know, all different kinds of things. But at the end of the day, what we're really looking for is what kind of impact does this have on our bottom line and, and our spending and our customer retention and all of these things that that live in the accounting system. So getting those outcomes into the models made that really the place for us to, to, to focus our attention. And so when we talk about financial data, why is it important for your AI models? Well, at the end of the day, what we're really trying to do is, is predict what's going to happen. And the, 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 the best kind of predictive models have known outcomes. And we can really quantify our known outcomes in financial performance or things like occupancy or um, you know, expenses or ch rate of change of expenses, those kinds of things. And, and that data is, is calculated typically on the fly by the accounting engine and presented on the screen. And now what's happening is it's calculated on the fly by the accounting engine and represented as a data element. And so without that, we're, we're kind of just not anchored to any actual outcomes. But with that, we can have predictive models that will really drive the performance of the portfolio in a different way. Very impressive. Um, and I'm sure not easy at all to do. I've probably got two or three more questions I can easily ask you, but I'm getting prompted for the next. So thank you so much, Justin. Um, I will connect with you again uh, when we bring the whole panel back on in uh, 30 or 40 minutes time. Thank you. Great, thank you. So I think now we have a sponsor video.
built specifically for CRE. Profia's AI-powered data extraction and analytics platform allows users to access, manage, and analyze validated portfolio data like never before. With a simple drag and drop, advanced technologies go to work reading, interpreting, and extracting nearly 200 real estate-specific data points, while simultaneously creating hyperlinks between each data point and its exact source. After a diligent, human-led quality control process, the data is then populated into Profia's intuitive platform. All right, thank you, everybody. Uh, my name is Jeremy Bergeron, and uh, thanks for learning about Profia. So just giving you all a little bit of scope uh, about us, we are the largest, uh, large, the largest large language model for commercial real estate lease information. And we really focused on the office, retail, and industrial space uh, in the subcomponents of that because of the uniqueness and the complexity of those leases. Unlike multifamily, which is fairly standardized data, simple contracts, as you all know, this information is really hairy and has a lot of complexity to it, but is the revenue driver of this, these asset classes of the industry. And when it comes to Profia's scope, uh, we, in our large language models, we have, some of this data is outdated, but if you look in the bottom right, we have um, abstracted and analyzed about 103,000 lease documents today. We have 1.2 million uh, abstracted and, and annotated data points that our uh, language models are built off of, which is built on of about 70 different customers uh, as well. And when we um, transitioning slides here, and the way that our AI models work specifically for commercial real estate leases, the, the foundation of them is built off of Google and Microsoft LLMs, but specifically tailored for commercial real estate and commercial real estate leases. And so from how our AI works is our customers provide us their documentation and their data, which is private. Um, as you can kind of see through this model of the steps one through seven, the real big part here is our is in step three is that our large language models when our customers are onboarding their data gets to use all the training data from those 1.2 million annotations and 103,000 documents to make sure that we're processing the data correctly and i think the big part for us is that in that step four is the quality assurance side of things so every document that's processed through profia also has a two-person independent human review with their own set of review technologies and also reconciling that against a rent roll that we would get from an accounting system like MRI, for example. And the big part about this is that as our technology is, at, is annotating this data, the quality assurance, if there's anything that's incorrect, we're not completely abstracted, uh, we finish that, that work, which is typically done around complex clauses. So even those things that are really complex and difficult, uh, once we have uh, manually finished the, the processing the data, that automatically through steps five and six leads right back into our, our, our learning models. So the next time we see something just as complex or new to our system, we're better able to handle it. And at the end of the day, what our customers get is trustworthy, accessible, and structured data uh, that they could use across the organization. And for Profia, as the video said, we, we process about 209 data points out of the lease. So we go really in depth and, and breadth, uh, not just for the easy stuff like numerical dates and dollar amounts or names, but really into the more complex terms in commercial real estate, rights, options, expense information, that's typically hard to capture and very error prone. And the output of that, once you have the data structure in our environment, is there's a ton of actual insights. So it's one thing to have accurate data, but actually have it into the type of reporting that you need to make decisions, whether it's stacking plans and site plans or critical dates and 
encumbrance schedules across your portfolio or when you're in retail, you have an organization like Rite Aid that decides to go bankrupt. How do we understand our exposure and what that means for the surrounding tenants in the center? We have all that because of the structured data that we provide and trends on how your portfolio is then performing from a leasing perspective. And furthermore, not only having structured data that's into a set of applications that, that, uh, that people want to use to make decisions, but it's accessible across all different uh, teams in the organization and across the entire life, uh, life cycle of owning that asset, whether it's at the beginning from acquisition diligence all the way through managing the asset and at the end through, uh, through disposing or refinancing that building. Um, so that is the, a little bit on Profia uh, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy. Super interesting and a lot that you've done, given that, you know, this Gen AI space has really come to the fore only over the last, you know, nine months, 10 months or so. Um, so my first question, therefore, is given the so many categories of AI, what makes Profia generative? Yeah, uh, a couple of things. And just for a little bit of context, we've been in this for five and a half years. So not a, not a garage startup at this point, definitely know what we're doing. Um, but within that, within a subset of generative, of generative AI is natural language processing, which is the core of Profia's um, AI for getting data out of these complex commercial lease documents. And again, we support uh, 209 different distinct terms in the leases. And then it's the easy stuff to the more complex terms that I've talked about. And I think where the generative comes in is that any single uh, clause or contract term, such as a base rent schedule or a termination option, can be written in thousands of different ways. And we see it written hundreds of different ways, even within one investor or owner's portfolio. And those different, not only way the ways that they're written, they also have variable, uh, multiple variables or subcomponents of these clauses, and some of which actually span multiple documents. So what our generative AI does is take this information about how it's written or composed across documents, and we standardize the language, and so it turns into data that's structured and consistent. Mm, very interesting. So listening to what you're saying and thinking about my next question, how can AI-powered solutions like Profia help commercial real estate professionals stay ahead of the market trends and make strategic moves in our dynamic industry? Uh, I think the, the previous panel really, or the previous speakers really spoke a lot to this. It's really about having dynamic, on-demand, accessible information that's taking into account real-time information. And for commercial real estate, the unit of value is the asset itself. That's what we're all trying to measure against and how that rolls up to a portfolio view. So the more data sources that you have to giving you non-delayed information that's trustworthy and usable across the, across the organization allows you to, to move quickly uh, whether that's an opportunistic way or in a risk management way. And I think where Profia today sees ourselves as helping lead that is again, providing this real-time structured data that's accessible across the organization, which is really tough today where a lot of the information is stuck in silo departmental systems. So providing something that's real-time, not on a lag, that allows teams to collaborate for leasing or investment decisions really helps people pivot quickly. And what we see, our customers are able to make decisions in seconds or minutes, which they've told us typically take weeks uh, to be able to react just on simple things. Thank you. And so one of the things you mentioned was about bringing so much data together in a real-time manner and making it visible, accessible. So 
what is it that Profia does to ensure the, the accuracy and the reliability of the data it handles? Yeah, that goes back to some of the slides that I probably rushed through a bit. But on fact, you know, in addition to having, again, the largest large language models for commercial real estate leases, so the most that are accurate and trustworthy, is that we provide a really in-depth quality assurance. Um, so every document, again, performs a two-person independent human review to make sure the data is accurate. Data accuracy is, is existential to our business being successful. So at the end of the day, not only is, are we just relying on technology, but it's people using powerful technology to ensure that data is accurate. And that last part about as we learn and we correct inaccuracies in an AI model through human intervention, that feeds right back into, uh, into the data models, which allows our clients to benefit immediately from the progress that we make. Thank you very much indeed, Jeremy. Um, I'm going to wrap there and uh, bring you back on later when we have the panel. But thank you for sharing and uh, super interesting and very impressive what you've done. Thank you. Thanks, Wayne. So next we have a video from Yadi before we move to speak with Daniela Caprio. That's a very dynamic video there, Danielle. Um, <laughs> we have a great marketing department. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome and thank you for taking the time um, to you know, be with us today and share with us some of the great work that Yardi's doing in this space. Um, very interested to hear um, what you're doing and um, over to you. Right, well, thank you for having me. Um, I've been with Yardi for just about five and a half years. My previous life was in all things commercial real estate and I was a Yardi client several times over. So spend a lot of my time saying I wish I had that when I was managing property. <laughs> um, just a few slides to go through. Um, this first one just being, we've got a lot of conversations today, a lot of, um, a lot of words being um, put out. Just wanna give you guys a slide to kind of go over what the definitions of some of these terms that you've been hearing uh, quite a bit throughout everyone's conversations. Um, and really what we are working on right now, um, chatbots, we've been actually, we've been in the, in the AI game for probably over three years now. Uh, first being chatbots, we've been um, using that to, or that technology, like I said, for about three years. We're to the point now where I think prospect, in for, prospect inquiries are being solved at 70% just with the bots, and I think tenant resident requests are at 40%. We just see that increasing um, with further use of AI. Um, SmartKey will be doing, sorry, these animations. SmartKey is going to be just our, it, we're already using machine learning uh, for invoice processing. Um, we're going to increase the AI usage there. So 
Um, we're looking at potential 97% savings across for our clients. Another area we'll be doing is abstracting. Um, you know, Jeremy talked about that at length. You know, we've got access to this data, just kind of helping our clients uh, get that information into the system faster for better access, more data, more ability to use the AI tools. And just a high-level roadmap. Oh, sorry about that. We've got also assistant coming down the road, which will be um, either kind of a chat GBT or even um, a requested vocally. Just, you know, show me all of our uh, market or Denver market. What's what's coming up for lease in the next 24 hours? The system, because of all the underlying data there, will be able to pull that up and actually give you that information on the screen in, in minutes, seconds, really. So we're pretty excited about our roadmap. Thank you, Danielle. So clearly a lot is going on um, you know, from the Yardi side. And so a couple of questions for you, really. Um, where is Yardi today from an AI perspective? Well, today, again, like we've been using it for about three years now um, with chatbots, invoice processing, even HVAC optimization, like a work order or fault detection comes through, our system will, using AI, actually create a work order and send that out to the vendor. Those are things that are already happening. Um, we've got a pretty aggressive, as you can imagine, uh, roadmap forward. Um, we've recently updated ChatIQ to utilize ChatGBT rather than um, the natural language processing to produce more accurate, richer results, um, more human-like results. That's been working really well. Um, future applications throughout our new platform. We recently also um, launched Voyager 8. I'm sure a lot of people on this have probably heard that. That's just simply moving Voyager 7 onto our Angular platform, um, which is where most of our newer products have come out. The Elevate products, um, we've moved our payables to that. And it's just, uh, it will allow a lot more use of for AI. Um, and then in spring of 2024, we'll be launching Virtuoso, which will be which will facilitate AI and machine learning throughout our entire platform, all of the products that are on the Angular platform, and it'll leverage all that rich data. I mean, again, kind of a couple people touched on this earlier. You know, all one of the many benefits of using our products is that all of your you've, you've got a large database, and every product that you layer on top is natively connected, which means you have real-time access to that data. So the more um, that AI is used, the the more it, the increase of data that you'll have access to, and then the tools to get to them faster, if you will. Sounds like you've been very busy uh, for a few years doing all things AI, um, and with that, um, it'd be interesting for us to understand what are your clients asking for today that will become easier to respond to with the continued maturity of AI-based tools? Well, the requests are very similar to what they've always been, right? They want increased efficiencies, better visibility to their information so they can make better decisions faster, um, and scalability. And, and the lack of workforce has really made that even more crucial. I mean, and through the pandemic, I think a lot of people saw that automation was key you know a lot of people went home a lot of the manual manual tasks just weren't even available or you know you weren't able to do them so i think that um a lot of companies realize that automation's not bad right you know we're not trying to replace people what we're trying to do is give them the tools um where they're just it's oversight versus data entry so the the 
more tools that we can give them to get that information into the system, like the abstracting tools and the invoicing tools. Those are things, those are not things that are going to add revenue. Those are not revenue generating. Um, so the more automation we can do in that area, the better. And also not replacing people, just giving them an oversight position versus a data entry position. Um, but one thing to mention is, yes, we're going after, going into this head, you know, head first, just like everybody else is. But we have to be very mindful um, to make sure that we are putting the proper security guardrails in place. And so um, we're be taking that very seriously. So yes, we will move as quickly as we can. And we are able to move pretty quickly given, given the breadth of our products and data. But we also have to be extremely mindful of making sure that we're securing everybody's information. Yes, and that's and that's super important because we're mm -hmm. sort of turning a spotlight to so much data and making it far easier for customers, our clients, to now have a conversation with that data and any bad actors, therefore. Is it fair to say that what you're doing at Yardi is injecting your tool set, your platform with AI capability and sort of awareness? Yes. I think that's very, very safe to say. And you know, our goal is to get um, Virtuoso is the tool that's the name we're using um, that will be on you know across the any of the products that are in the Angular platform. But that being said, even if the tool is not in the Angular platform, realize that the the database is still all that information is still underlying. So we still have access to it, even if it's not specifically in a specific product, because like I mentioned earlier, everything's natively connected. My favorite analogy, and I can't, I wish I could credit with whoever I heard this from when I first started was, all of our tools are like different windows into the same house, right? So that your database, your Voyager, is where all of that information lives. And when you add these other tools, you have access to that data through just like those different windows. And when we start using more of these AI tools, that data set's just going to increase exponentially. Makes a lot of sense, makes a lot of sense and super interesting. So many companies are building AI-based functionality within their software. Take a look at Salesforce or Azure, OpenAI, so on and so forth. In your mind, do you see that's the, the natural path of software companies such as Yardi? Absolutely. And, and like I mentioned earlier, ours will be agnostic, an agnostic, plat agnostic platform. I'm really excited about this. Um, so we'll be able to leverage all of those different, you know, the different large learning models. Um, and again, just increasing the data set in which we're going to be able to act, our clients will be able to access. But again, built very mindfully with the proper security guardrails in place. So that's Perfect. top of mind for us, you know, go, go, go. But, you know, let's make sure we're doing it in the right way. And that's an important message there. I mean, in fact, you've shared a lot of very important messages with us. And so the other panelists, which is you haven't been doing this for five minutes. You've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is enhancing and infusing your platforms, your applications with the benefits of AI, but doing it in a cautious manner putting the guardrails around it, accurate data, data security, and so on and so forth. So that, that's super interesting, and I think it is super relevant for our audience to understand that they're in good hands here. They definitely um, So thank you very much, Danielle. It was uh, super interesting to hear the great work that Yard has been doing. Um, 
I will jump to our next panelist, but bring you back on towards the end when we can have sort of a roundtable discussion. But thank you very much again on that. Wonderful. Thank you. So for next, we have a video from Predict AP, um, and then we'll hear from David Stifter afterwards. Everything in real estate accounts payable has been automated, except invoice coding. Coding invoices for approval and payment still relies on manual data entry. It's slow, error-prone, and just not scalable. Predict AP was founded by real estate insiders to automate invoice coding. They tried everything else first, OCR, outsourcing, but every solution fell short of actual coding. Predict AP fully automates invoice coding for real estate companies. Unlike other solutions, Predict AP provides fully coded invoices ready for your existing automated AP workflows. It works with your current AP automation system so you can keep the workflow you already trust. Your AP team can review the coded invoices, revise or accept our predictions, and send to your AP workflow with one click. Get your AP team out of the data entry business and onto higher value work. Automate invoice coding with Predict AP. Thank you, David, and welcome. Um, very interested to hear a bit more about uh, Predict AP and what you have to say on that. Um, so, can you give us a, an introduction and over to you? Yeah, no, th thanks for having us. And it's it's great hearing the panelists. This, uh, there's so much, so much around AI, every, AI everything, AI hype everything, and, and I, you know, just coming after um, uh, everyone. And it's the same themes are emerging. You know, so when Niraj is talking about the very critical aspect of business understanding. I think in general, you know, everyone's here to learn something about what is it, you know, there's this big AI hammer and everyone's looking around to find, you know, nails to hit with it. And and so often when when we have, you know, we have a hammer, everything's a nail, right? And I think the the fundamental part that that is coming through when listening to everyone is that you really do need to have a deep understanding of the business need, right? But maybe AI is not the right solution. Maybe process change, maybe other things are. And and we can't just assume whatever the, the, the latest and greatest tool that we have in our arsenal is, is is the right way to approach things. But then for some use cases, it's actually exceptionally good. Um, and, and we're seeing that. We're seeing that with what um, we just heard from, from Yardi, right? And how you can layer in uh, this tool set very broadly on, on answering questions. Show me all my leases for this or show me my exposure to that in a, in, a, in a natural language way as opposed to trying to remember the right report to do, right? And, you know, Justin talking about um, the, the classic of all classic issues, data. Right. It's funny. As time goes on, the one thing that remains the same is you need good data. You need good, consistent data. Um, and now it's more critical than ever because now you really need good data or your models are going to be terrible. Right. And I think um, refocusing on that and, and having a, a, a real um, solid reason as to, you know, that's very visible to people. Like, why do I need to get it? Well, because if I have inconsistent data and I do this inconsistently, then any I'm not able to use these tools because my models and my predictions are going to be inconsistent. Um, you know, so that that focus on data, which has been in the IT world forever, I think has a, a new impetus for why we need to do that. And then talking about the combination of tools, you know, at, at Graystar, where it, where it was it's like, it, it's interesting. It's not just OCR. It's not, you know, some use cases, RPA is great. Some use cases, you know, natural language models great. Some use cases, AI and ML are really great. And the combination of how you do those things are really great. And I, and I think an interesting point, too, he had the slide on that. And I think another interesting note is is the gap 
between the business knowledge of what of what problem you need to solve and the technical capabilities that are now required to actually solve that problem. That's another big thing I think is a little bit different now with AI where you know, back in the day, you could go in Excel and I'm an analyst building a model. I can, you know, make my formulas. I can do a record macro, right? So I'm, a, I'm an analyst yeah. that has a very good understanding of my problem. I know what a model needs to do and do my IRRs and my XIRRs and all that good stuff. And I can do it. I can look on Google, do a little bit in there. Um, nowadays, the technical skills can be very, very particular, very, you know, it's very valuable, very uh, particular, uh, you know, use case and skill set that the technical folks need. And that gap between the day-to-day business person and that technical person can be can be quite broad. Um, and and his point about you know we do need to bring that back together. We need to you know the days of like throwing some specs over a wall and the IT group getting it in a vacuum and reading the specs and delivering that back. And I think everyone's gone to a much more agile um, type of situation where that 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 wall between IT and, and the technology and the business be, is kind of down and right and and you embed them and. And you have that much more quick response on that and understanding the implications and what the goals are and all that. So all that being said, like it is an amazing tool set. And that's where Predict AP came out of is that, you know, we we had a lot of AP automation where, where you already cut my, my background is at uh, Colony Capital Digital Bridge, where I was there for 18 years leading that accounting and finance technology. And we were you already shopped very happy with that like, Garrity PayScan and, and payments and all of that. And we noticed this very upfront piece around the coding of invoices. And, and it's not just the scraping of OCR where people may say, oh, I got invoice number total due date, the stuff that's on the invoice off of it. Lots of good solutions in the market for that. What we found was that the hard part in the nature of real estate is that, hey, there's tons of cost allocations and complicated things. And, and, and this knowledge just lives in an AP person's head. And, and that was something where it's a very knowledge intensive task. And, uh, and, the, and the basically there wasn't a good solution in the market. So with the classic build versus buy, I spent a year trying to buy and I realized there was nothing, nothing to buy that, that, that handled this. And I got so frustrated I built. And then it was, you know, and then I noticed that people had the same issue. So we started selling. Um, that was the birth of Predict AP. But it was, it was the thing around, you know, you're seeing these kind of broad applications of, of, of AI around um, using market, you know, or general question and answer type stuff. But then you're also seeing, you know, Profia, very narrow, specific use case, very deep, right? Um, you know, you're already uh, leasing and chat functionality, very deep, very narrow. There's a great company called Entra, which is a LP side letters. Talk about very narrow focus. They're great at it. You know, for us, it's, it's the coding of real estate invoices where, you know, it may seem easy, but it's a lot of complexity around. Is it in the cam pool? Is it not? Is it recoverable? Is it not? Is it, and what's that cost allocation in doing all that? And it turns out it's, a, it's an absolute perfect use case for AI because again, that data question, how do you do your data annotation and collection? It turns out every time you've paid a bill, you have the image, you have the coding, there's your annotation that you can unlock. And so that's where Predictive was born. And that's kind of a, a, you know, a really, really nice use case where you have a, an available data set. It's very accessible. It's a very knowledge intensive task with kind of deep understanding that, you, you know, it would take you forever to build these templates and kind of RPA rules around this hard coding. Uh, but ML models do a really, really good job of that. And that's 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 that was kind of our journey to, to finding this application for AI and, we've, you know, expanding out of 40, uh, 45 customers and, and, and growing pretty quickly. That's um, super interesting. And and you've painted a landscape of so much velocity. And so much change and grappling with the build versus buy talk to us a bit about how did you build a capability to then go and build and then how do you retain that capability in a in a world where there's so much demand 
um, for AI skill sets and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so so there's there's two parts of it, and I, I think it's actually interesting that there's more there's more. I think there's a lot of pressure on 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 IT staff to do AI, right? The execs, the CEO wants to check we're AI, right? And I think there's there's some great companies out there that are actually using it, truly using it, not just marketing, but truly using it. Um, but there's also a lot of just, hey, I've got ChatGPT, I've got a bunch of documents, I've, you know, and I think there's a lot of pressure on IT to deliver something quickly, and and again, they're they're going to go build something, right? And and there are cases where I think there's definitely an in-house capability of doing it. And when we built this originally, you know, I'll say that my my background for 20 years has been on an in-house IT for a public REIT, and it's much 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 easier to build something for a single company. That's not a SaaS product. That's not scalable. That's not dealing with um, the the variances in how lots of things, you know, lots of different companies going. So actually, when we built this in-house, we, we used um, some outside consultants to start. And then when when we had this decision about launching independent of of the firm and, and going fully independent, we had to start from an absolute blank piece of paper. And, and this was at the start of COVID, and and we were able to kind of uh, attract some talent. Our head engineer came from Apple and folks, but. It was, you know, the, the, we were a startup. We we're able to, you know, to, to attract people. And, and actually, one of the big things was around um, around this concept of being able to build this this ML product from scratch. And these engineers are kind of these 20-year veterans who have always, in, in, you know, inherited a, a pretty tough tech stack. So for us, we attracted it based on this opportunity that this isn't. A, it's a great problem. Hasn't been solved. We've got, you know, good funding, good opportunity, good velocity. And we're able to attract the talent that way. If I was in-house within um, kind of a more traditional real estate company, I think it'd be real, real tough to build a true kind of open, scalable SaaS product and retain that talent. Um, you know, where I think a startup has has some advantages with equity and other things to to get those those types of folks on board. So, given your experience, and given if I remember the poll we did at the start of this webinar, and and sort of the makeup of our audience. I'm pretty sure some of the things they're grappling with is how do I start? Where do I start? How do I choose a use case? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the problem always needs to start with what's hurting my business, right? It's not, hey, what tech should I go use and, and implement here, right? Like, because that tends not to be successful. But again, it's finding the pain points in the business and having that really deep understanding and relationship with the business. And, you know, there are certain cases where, hey, we have this brand new, you know, because we we've all been dealing with solving these problems for years and years and years. Right. What happens is the tools in our toolbox change. Right. And so the our ability to come and address an issue, maybe that thing we tried to do a few years ago weren't so successful. But you know what? With this natural language model, we can do it now. We can deal with that lease abstraction. We can do with how do we code these invoices, you know, things that maybe have been unsuccessful in the past. So I think it has to start with understanding a core business problem and then finding the, the right tool. And then there's always the build versus buy discussion. And, you know, we're right at the cusp where businesses are starting to emerge that have addressed these problems. And, you know, it's like, you know, we have, you know, all these resources geared towards this one thing where it's a little tougher for, uh, for businesses maybe to, to build, but there are use cases like that. But I think understand the problem, be really you know, sure of it, and then go talk to, you know, go to Realcom, talk to people, figure out what's out there. And then you can kind of bring those tools to bear uh, on solving that problem with, with, the, with the new technology. It it's, uh, makes a lot of sense. And, and every business is unique and has a unique set of problems. But there are buckets of use cases um, that probably applies across them all on that. So what's next uh, 
for your company? What's the next big nut to crack? Yeah, so so for us, um, it, it's interesting. The I will say that the AI ML prediction problem. You know, when you have one company, it's actually pretty simple. You can kind of cheat a lot and build some some you know some rules. When you got forty, it's much more difficult. And now we're expanding international. Um, you know, we we have a, a very large uh, third party PM uh, that has a, a big problem with this. They've been using OCR solution for many years, um, and it's and it's about you know kind of really immersing yourself in the problem and understanding the nuances of like how VAT filings have to happen and how you know commas and periods and date formats and all that works. So we're getting much more into international, you know, global beyond the US, you know, into Europe and, and, and APAC region, and also into kind of ancillary things around this. So it's it's interesting how um, you know the, the the techniques we know to like to figure out what the right vendor is or something like that also can tell us when we're you know we, we see a lot more potential fraud coming in cyber attacks and various you know chat gpt is also good at, at, uh, for criminals right and and there's a, a much more sophisticated yes. approach to that and we've found that there's a, a a really good opportunity for us to give our our clients a thing of hey this may look like a fedex invoices but it's enough wrong here that you should probably take a look at that and, and as opposed to hey let's hope we can get the wire before it leaves the bank uh, on that so things like that where we we can apply these things for other use cases uh, we've had uh, some interest from our customers thank you that's a uh very comprehensive answer, and you and you highlight a couple of very interesting points there around security and things like that, which we can pick up when we get onto the panel. And and with that said, David, um, I'm going to invite the the other panel members on it, and we can get into our roundtable. Thank you so much, though, for uh, sharing with us the great work you've been doing, and uh, super interesting. And looking forward to getting to a conversation with our panel. Thanks. So welcome back, everyone. Um, some very interesting uh, presentations and conversations we've had so far. And we've had some questions from our audience. And the first question goes to Jeremy. And this is coming from Kishore Raja. Um, and he is you know, interested in the last language model part of your AI. Um, and his question is, are you generating documents intermittent or final as a result of gen ai with your large language models or are you generating data for internal use yeah uh, a little a little a little bit unsure of the question it's supposed to ask but i'm interpreting this as a is this a least drafting software or do we provide people a, a trusted data set that they use across the organization and it would be the latter at this point the part on that though is that uh, one of the angles to take this is you build up a, a trustworthy data set and understand what makes a contract stronger or more valuable to prospective buyers of that building we can start to help out with the drafting part of this because we have the language models to put together strong and comprehensive contracts thank you yes it's interesting there um and hopefully that answers uh, kishore's answer but you know if he has a follow-up um do uh, fill in the the question box um, Kishore has another question, um, and it's for you, Niraj. Um, loves the use case on AI on top of OCR. Um, now has a question. So his question is, was this AI developed using large language models um, or LFM, or were the models developed using regular classification or cassation AI? It was developed in Azure AI with their large language model based on OpenAI. Nice, short and sweet. Thank you for that, Niraj. 
Um, and another question from um, our audience, and this one is for David. Um, so it's it's around how do you separate AI hype from reality? And this person's asking, how do I separate a real solution from science projects out there? Yeah, sorry about Bye. that. I I'm back. Um, yeah, so so AI is everywhere, and I think um, uh, the the whole science project part. I think the, the other consideration of of it is, is is can you truly integrate it into your business? You know, so when Justin's talking about you know the the data connector for Yardi, like that's that's a sea change, right? And I think it's a, it's a huge ability to now access lots of data. With our product, like you know, we wanted to accomplish three things. We wanted to do a good job making these predictions, which great, and there's you know, and I think that's a challenge. But the other challenge is how do you actually get it going? for a customer, right? Is it going to be nine months of trying to figure out how to FTP things and, you know, do all this stuff? And so I think when you're looking at possible solutions, you're, you'd be like, is it going to solve the underlying issue? You know, is it going to be something that can can apply to our current tech stack, right? And, and that's, a, that's an important factor, that integration point. And then is it going to work at scale, right? Because, you know, it tends to be these add-on and other things if, you know, it works great until it doesn't something goes wrong and then you're trying to figure out why that load didn't work and you know half the things got in or not and it's a disaster so you know it's really understanding is it truly going to solve it how is it doing that and, and and is it something we can actually implement our business as opposed to hey this is a cool thing that i can you know run on the side but it's not actually going to be able to affect our business uh, day to day so i think that's the main thing is thinking about the, the business impact and and, and how, how well you can actually hook it up and presumably with this you are doing the traditional building business cases and showing the value to those that hold the purse strings on that. There's no shortcuts, even though there's all the hype, it still has to have some top line or bottom line benefit. It's kind of funny because everyone, everyone asks like, everyone wants the accuracy. How accurate are you? You know, and that's important, but ultimately it's about saving time. And that's the ROI calculation, right? If it used to take you two minutes to load something, now it takes you 10 seconds and it used to take you, you know, X amount of time to do it. Now we can very easily show that ROI. Um, and that's what it's about, right? Saving time, saving frustration, not having to worry about that person quit their job and all that knowledge walks out the door. Um, but people love to have stats and statistics and they're like, what, how accurate are you? 98% or you 97%, you know, so that is a, a focus, but it really, with any of these tools, that's all ancillary to, are we solving a business problem? Are we saving time? Are we, are we making a more resilient process? That should be the important focus. Thank you, Davis. So a question for you, Danielle. So when we talk about all of the AI that's Yardi is infusing across its platform into its tool set. How are you helping your clients use the new tools? Is it training? It's it's how do you get the most out of AI? Because often what I'm seeing is there's a there's a change in the way that you have to go and use these tools. Frame the question. You hear about prompt engineering, but there's elements of that in a more of a chat basis. I'm interested to know what Yardi's doing to make sure its clients are maximizing the extra value it's adding? Well, up until now, it's been kind of built in, like chatbots and, um, you know, the HVAC optimization. So it's kind of been, I don't want to say behind the scenes, but up until now, that's it's kind of been kind of been where we've been at. But again, with the launch of all these newer tools, we also have um, Aspire, our learning management platform that is uh, very, very, very intuitive, but we're also building training into all of the, our newer tools. So if you go into, you know, Voyager 8, or if you go into, let's say, Facility Manager, what have you, there's, we've got a flyout menu that literally will 
give you training for specifically where you're at in the product. So there'll be training built into that to help to help our clients along. Plus, we're all here to help whenever they need. We're very accessible. But yeah, it'll be built right into the tool um, for real-time live help. So basically, your clients will be familiar, at least 80, 90% or, or more, with how to use it. And it's just that, you know, the AI is being, being sort of embedded in there in a way which makes it easy for them to use and get the value out yeah. of it. Perfect. Well, I mean, these tools are built to be intuitive, right? I mean, that's kind of why everybody's using them without much, without much training. So we'll be leveraging that piece. But then for the, for the, you know, a little bit more intensive, uh, you know, a little bit more complex, we'll have training available for them. I often, when I think about AI, it's like a swan. So serene above the surface and beneath the surface, there's lots of thrashing around to keep things <laughs> looking pristine and buoyant, um, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, a question for you, Justin. Um, so when I think about here, we're getting more and more data into one place and we're doing and we're making it far more visible or the ways to interact with the data easier. What is it in your experience and what you're doing around the security of that data and the governance of that data? What sorts of things have you come up against to make sure that it remains up to date and protected and, and accurate? Yeah, well, first of all, I'd say that the accounting system is always the the best source of data, in my opinion. You know, in 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 ancient Egypt, if the if the numbers didn't match, the accountant would get their head cut off, right? So, the accounting function has, for many years, been been very fastidious about making sure that everything is right and and appropriate, and our our financials are tied to it. So, if the data exists in Yardi, it has a much better chance of being correct and accurate and complete and maintained. And the challenge is when we start bringing in other things. So we normalize to anything that's metadata in Yardi becomes out the, the, the system of record for our taxonomy. Then we have a series of, of data governance protocols and processes, and there's a data governance committee, and there's a bunch of audits. And But we've been investing in having good data for many years. Um, and so, you know, if you're just starting on that journey, it's a it's a bit of a separate conversation. And frankly, you have to devote some resources to it. But it's kind of part of our DNA at this point. So uh, as long as things are normalized and and we maintain the systems of record, then we're in good shape. Thank you for that, Justin. So, you know, it's pretty clear, strong data governance, um, sort of reliable or golden source of data that you trust to build the taxonomies around. And those are sort of the fundamentals, some of the fundamentals to build on top um, before we can start getting into sort of projecting the results coming out of AI application um, for use and analysis and decision-making. Niraj, I have a question. Um, it's come from Jim Young, our, our fellow uh, person here. He says, many technical people did not get exposed to AI throughout their career. What is the best way for them to catch up? Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 think, I think the easiest way to catch up is experiment. Uh, there's, there's great classes online. Uh, actually, let me back up. When we started, when Greystone started on this journey of AI, 
I actually went and had some of my business people take the AI class in MIT. Two, two, twofold reasons. One was, yes, they'll get educated on it. But the second was, they're going to have to produce a paper because the output was going to be an AI strategy for the company each person had to create. And they needed to spend time with me to create that strategy. So it was a, it was a really good way to kind of blend the knowledge together. And that was a great way to get the business to catch up. But on our side, I, I, I'd venture to say, look, experiment with everything you can because not only do I experiment, I have my team experimenting all the time, just saying, hey, I saw something new, try it, tell me what you think. Thank you for that. That's um, interesting. It's an interesting one for our audience to think about as well, um, where do they have the, the provision to create like this innovation lab experimentation along with their day job? um and then how do you know and how comfortable are they with sort of throwing away failed experiments and things like that um do you have a lab do you do that how how do you get to secure sort of the budget and the sort of the freedom to do that without um coming under too much crossfire we're we're, we're fortunate uh graystone is a private company so we don't have the reporting requirements of a public company, the pressures of a public company. So our owner is very, very uh, tech friendly and he's wanting us to be forward thinking, uh, allowing for new technologies to come in. We do have a, a lab where we do things. So I have a Greystone Labs team that tries out a lot of things, uh, but also, trying to ensure that the broader team also pays attention because having that labs team used to work in the old days today because of ai and its pervasiveness and the impact to all units it's kind of hard just to do it in in a corner a little bit gotta have that whole full full-fledged kind of experiment going on everywhere thank you Naraj. jeremy question for you um this is coming from Jim Young. Um, does a real estate company, in your opinion, need a dedicated AI resource? Uh, that's an interesting question. I'd say for uh, these larger scale organizations, you think about like a great firm, for example, uh, I'm guessing the answer is probably yes. Um, you just have so many enterprise systems and different disparate sources that you're trying to bring together and also use AI on top of that. Uh, makes a lot of sense to have someone thinking about that specifically from an AI perspective. When I think about not only do we work with those size customers, but also your everyday regional you know, investment firms, operators. I don't believe that to be true. Uh, what I think is more important because what we see in most organizations when understanding how to apply AI or just improve technology and processes, you're really asking borrowed time from a lot of different departments, whether that's asset management, leasing, and engineering, et cetera. What you really need is a strong operations person um, to really take into account. They need to have some knowledge of AI and educate themselves, but it's really how do we solve problems for the business teams and someone to lead that process instead of asking for borrowed time from a lot of different people to come together. Um, I think that's a more valuable resource for the majority of organizations. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, 
it comes down to the individual organizations, doesn't it? And sort of how far, how pervasive they want to go with artificial intelligence and all of the use cases around it, buy versus build in-house and keeping up to date on that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge for us all. And I'd be interested, Justin, um, to hear how you've cracked that nut. Well, I think, I think what, what David is saying is entirely accurate. You know, it, it used to be like we had marketing and then we had digital marketing. And, and it was as if these things were different, you know, and, and now, of course, there's no such thing as digital. It's all digital marketing. So having someone who's an AI person might feel appropriate today, but really it's just something that is and will be blended into everything that we're doing. And so having some technical people reporting into a business process role um, or distributed throughout the organization embedded in different departments is really the way to go. Um, although we have a number of technical people, but we we certainly think of them as being integrated into the operations as opposed to separate. Thank you, Justin. Question for you, Danielle. So given the pervasive use of Fiati, what are the top two or three requests coming from your clients that you, you're beginning to see and hear with respect to how AI can be used for what they want to do within that space? Actually, they're, it's kind of, at least in my experience, it's coming from the opposite direction, right? They just want to see what we're working on and what we've got roadmapped. Um, they're looking to us to, to, to give them that information like, so they can actually plan for it. Um, if it's new products or just how they're going to use it, staffing needs, um, that type of thing. So, I mean, I think we've had in the last uh, and, and really, we just we just announced it. I think we announced it at Realcom first, and then we had our user conference. So it's been very recent, you know, like in the last Q3, Q4 of of this year. Um, and that's all we're talking about now. I mean, literally all we're talking about. So um, it's just again, like I said earlier, it's just scalability, um, visibility. I mean, it's the, visi the visibility and, and the dashboards and how they're going to use this information. It's kind of paramount to everybody. How do they get access to their data? Interesting. Thank you for that, Danielle. So question for, I think the question is for Justin. Yes, uh, it's coming from Alex Moratorio. Hopefully I pronounced the name correctly. He's curious as to what the budget, labor, hard and soft, had when building your tools. Well, build, building, I mean, just looking at the things that I showed you um, here, the, the budget was very low. I mean, we, we, we took the Yardi Data Connect stuff and turned it on and there was information in there. I would say, you know, a couple of analysts who, who um, understand some Yardi and who understand some Power BI, um, you know, and, and that's something that we found through Relay, it's as overseas resources, uh, very effective. And so, now, in the past, if we tried to do that, the, the hard version of connecting was like we had to go hire a consultant who was part of the Yardi, um, you know, network, and they would help us build these extraction uh, tools and everything. And that just all kind of went away. So we went from, you know, what I would say would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars to thousands of dollars to get to the same place. Um, and, uh, 
you know, other things we do are more expensive, but the particular stuff that I was showing you is very straightforward and, and not difficult. And I'd be happy to share um, some learnings with anybody offline. Okay, thank you very much. That's uh, super helpful. And I see we have Chuck back and we all know what that means. You know what that, that means? means <laughs> that means that time for our conversation is coming to an end. And, and this, yeah, what a great, an great conversation. Yeah. We could easily take this much deeper and much longer. And uh, just as a as a side note, uh, if you want to hear more of this, obviously, the Buildings AI conference is coming up along with Cortec. Uh, I'll, we'll I'll, I'll mention a slide with the promo code in just a second, so a little teaser there. But first of all, thank you for all of our panelists for your valuable discussions today the live audience for being so active on the uh, the live chat. So a lot of information to process. So we really do enjoy that. Uh, whether you've joined us live or watching this as a recording, thank you for tuning in and be sure to register for Realcom's next webinar in the AI series. Another great panel. It's just going to be another jam packed. This was a lot about the the theory and the application and the what it is and why it's important and why you need to be talking about this. Next week, we'll focus a lot more on the case studies and the future of AI. So a lot more how companies are doing it and the business outcomes that they get. So uh, be sure to check in that. If you've registered for this one, you've registered for that. So you're all set. Uh, make sure also to make your plans for Cortec and Buildings AI conference coming up at Crown Plaza Hotel in Palo Alto, California. That's November 15th and 16th. You can visit realcom.com for more details on the agenda, the topics, the speakers, the hotels. And, oh, by the way, use promo code, uh, if, you, if you saw it in the chat, CT23WEB1. That's CT23WEB1 for a special discount on the conference. So, that's it for our group today. Again, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to all of the great discussions. And uh, we'll see you next time. That's it. Be safe. We're out. Thank you.